never give up. I never give up. I never give up. Hi guys, welcome back to Neff Inspiration, my show on YouTube and as a podcast with me, your host, Stefan Neff. Today is a fantastic day for another interview. And I mean, I've had a lot of overachievers on my show, people who are just proving that you can go out there, change your life and do amazing things. And today, my guest is actually going for a podium position in this kind of ranking of guests, because Freddie Bennett is going out there and is proving exactly that. He is a world Guinness record holder. He is a man who just said, you know, why don't I go for a little run? And now, nowadays, the guy has run through the, through the uh, Sahara Desert. The guy is planning to run through the Arctic Circle, a 300-mile race. You're, you're kidding me. Come on. I can't run 10Ks um, without me falling apart. And this guy's just, you know, I can do that. Now, this is a transformation that I want to hear more about. So, Freddie, welcome to my show. Jeff, welcome. I'm so delighted to be here. I am really super excited about what we're going to talk about today. And uh, yeah, I think we're going to cover a lot of interesting topics, that's for sure. Absolutely. And I have to say, normally we make jokes about me coming, beaming in from the future, because my guests are always somewhere far away. Today, it turns out, despite his brutal English accent, um, this young man is an hour away from me in Tauranga. We are both in New Zealand. And we were just laughing. And it, what the hell? Which we were, it's a small world, isn't it? And thank you as well for starting off by calling me a young man, because people don't often do that these days. But uh, <laughs> it's crazy, isn't it? Of, of all the towns and all the world, you uh, you had to walk into mine. So, uh it's, uh, it's it's great to to have such an amazing podcast filmed so close to me. <laughs> and the beautiful thing, though, is um, I think we both prove with our transformations that so much is possible. That mm. there is that this kind of of victim mentality that many of us have. Oh, poor me, poor me, poor me, another one. Uh, actually, that if you are uh, realize that you that we all have got the same amount of seconds in a day and that if we live intentional miracles will happen now not not everyone uh has a transformation like you okay so we all have got our own stories but i want to hear about your story man mm -hmm. um so how did it all start or actually let's go how did it start minus 10 years <laughs> because <laughs> who was the executive? Who was the man who was out there trying to to prove himself in the world? Who was the the old me? That the old you, myself, the old me. And I, I wanted to start as well. You make a great point about how we use the time in our day. And I always say this at the start of my my interviews. I've done the crazy things about running across the Sahara Desert and and the Arctic and all the things that I know we'll cover, but. My story isn't about the extreme challenges. It's not about the crazy endurance events, because I know most people would listen and they say, that sounds crazy. I never want to do that. But for me, it's absolutely about time. And it's how we choose to use the time of our lives. And I will I'll absolutely come on to that. But to answer your question, in terms of the the old Freddy. And I, I think often about the uh, the old Freddy. So let's let's rewind 10 years. I was 
living in the UK. I mean, it's, it's, it's nice of you to call me a young man. I'm, I'm 42 now. <laughs> I was, yeah, let's call it when I was 32. Um, living in the UK, a corporate job where I had to do what everybody tells you you're supposed to do. You have to get up every morning, squeeze yourself onto the commuter train to sit in a box to do the job that you don't want to do, to get the respect of the people that you don't really like, to earn the money that you can't even see, to buy the things that you don't even want. And I was living this life because I thought it was what I was supposed to do. I thought this was the life I was supposed to live. And because um, maybe if we have have time, we'll, we'll, we'll dig deeper into the back backstory. But, but in terms of my life, I thought that this was who I was supposed to be. I, I had a very chaotic upbringing. There was lots of alcohol, lots of chaos in my family, in my household. So all I wanted as a child was to have a stable job with a stable paycheck in a nice office and, and do like these, these grown up things. But I got this. And as I went forward in this career, I had to become someone that I wasn't. I, I felt crippled by imposter syndrome. I, I was mm. in this corporate office environment where I thought, when am I going to get found out? When are people going to realize that I'm not good enough? When are people going to say, hang on, what, what's this guy doing here? And because I was worried that I was going to get found out, I, uh, I tried to be more of an extrovert. And, and they say that everyone has a talent in life. Quite early in my career, I found out that I had a talent for drinking. And all of a sudden, the, the networking events and the team building events and the client events and the Monday drinks and the midweek drinks and the Friday drinks and the everything drinks. I thought, hang on, if I start drinking, then I can be more extroverted, that I can be more lively, then people will start to like me. So this this path took me on this, uh, took me up the career ladder. I traveled around the world. I had quite a quite a high powered, quite stressful job. And for a while on the surface, everything looked really good. I had the Porsche on the driveway. I had the Rolex on the wrist. I had the granite in the kitchen. I had the young family. And you would look at my life and think, wow, that guy, Freddie, he's, he looks like he's, he's doing everything. But inside I was falling apart. I, as I was, was drinking more, the, uh, the stories that we all know, the, the one drink turned into the five drinks, which turned into the couple of drinks before you went out, which then turned into the tactics like, um, We'd be out at a drinking event and then I would have to to leave that drinking event, that that networking event to go and attend a friend's birthday party, even though there was no friend. It was just me going and drinking in another bar on my own. And um, and I carried on this pattern and I thought I was hiding. I thought I was hiding it. But then the hours at work got longer. The stress got greater. The lunches got bigger. The serves got larger. And then I found myself in this position in my early 30s and I woke up one morning and I looked in the mirror and I had missed I had missed work again I, I said I woke up it was more I, I, I regained consciousness in a, in a strange hotel room at a grey hotel in a grey and rainy part of the UK next to a grey highway and I kind of staggered my way as we all know those are those moments I staggered my way to the bathroom kicking miniature bottles from the mini bar out of the way I looked at myself in the mirror and I saw this person. I saw the, the, the beer belly hanging over his underwear. I saw the, the bloodshot eyes, the yellow nicotine stained teeth, the, the wrinkles, the gray hair, the beer belly and everything. And I saw, I thought, who is this guy? This, this was not 
how it was supposed to go. This was not how it was supposed to be. And I'd ignored all of the warning signs that had been running up to this. I'd, I'd missed flights. I'd got into trouble at work. I'd been blackout, blind drunk in a Middle Eastern country where alcohol's illegal. I'd found myself in the wrong place at the wrong time in New York City with drug dealers holding a loaded gun to my head. And all these warning signs I'd just been ignoring and say, oh, it's fine. everyone does this, it's fine. I'm not that bad. I haven't got a problem. It's fine. <laughs> I tried the, I, uh, I'm not going to drink spirits. I'm not going to drink during the week. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going, I'm only going to have five <laughs> drinks. I, I tried everything. And then it was that morning where I looked at myself in the mirror and I didn't recognize the person I saw. I thought, this is not how your life is supposed to go. If you want the things you always said that you wanted in your life, then you're going to have to do something that you've never done before. And that's when, in many ways, I embarked upon the scariest, most challenging, toughest adventure of my life, which was an adventure into sobriety. Wow. <laughs> very well spoken. Uh, many of the words are recognized very well. <laughs> Situation that you've touched upon. No, I can't. I can't beat the, the drug dealers with the gun to the head. No, I haven't done that. Uh, but uh, otherwise, yeah, been there, done that, vomited on the t-shirt. Yes. <laughs> God. Oh, okay. Radio. So, how old were you when that that uh, that so I was... moment of realization came? So that moment of realization, I was, um, the moment I actually stopped drinking and stayed stopped, I was 36. I'd had, I tried and failed. I had so many Monday mornings when I said, right, this is it. This is the moment. This is the time that I'm going to yeah. change my life forever. Yeah. Then the thoughts come into your head. You say, right, I am going to change right after the next birthday, right after the next team <laughs> networking event, right after the next project, right after the next Christmas, and yeah. then after the next party, I'm gonna I'm gonna stop drinking forever. Oh, but it, uh, there's that wedding in a fortnight's time. But yeah. after that, that's it. I am done. Yeah. I would have these air time and time and time again. Freddie Doe, let's let's not be silly. There is a reason that you drink. Um the, what what does what did the drink give you? You you were alluding to that. It was it was allowing you to get to get outside your skin, to be more extrovert, to be to be more maybe recognized, to maybe to 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 escape your reality, to escape the pressure. Definitely. What, what was? A, it's a great question, and and it's a question that I've asked myself many times. I, I believe there's um that there's two reasons. What I call a, a surface level and a core reason. The the surface level reason was why I thought I drank, which was exactly as you say. I felt uh, like an imposter. I felt socially awkward and anxious. I felt like I, I needed a confidence boost. Mm. I felt that people wouldn't like me unless I was the life and soul of the party. And like, uh, like many of us who have um, experienced a, a spectrum of alcohol use, should we say, we, we say things to ourselves like, I'm an all or nothing personality. I don't have an off switch. <laughs> I like to be the life and soul of the party. And I believed all these things. And I thought I need to have a drink. And I was very good at being the, you know, the guy who walks into the bar and everyone goes, yay, Freddie's here. I even had a name for myself. I, and this is how bad it's at. I called myself Funtime Freddie. 
and I created this fun time Freddy. Yay, fun time Freddy's here. Now the party's starting. And the truth is, I loved it. Oh, I felt course. like a, I felt like a celebrity. I felt like a rock star. I I enjoyed that feeling of of being this almost this superhero, mm. super super alcohol hero who could could make presentations, who could make people laugh, who could get people's attention, who was who people enjoyed being around. And I thought it was alcohol that gave me that, which is why I drank more and more and more. Mm. With that that deeper, that core reason, the second reason, I believe it was because I was deeply unhappy in my life. I was living a life that wasn't true to myself. I was doing a job that I didn't want to do. Mm. I was being a person who I didn't want to be. And I I believe that we all have this, this path in our lives where we where we have to be aligned to our true nature, mm. the talents we were born with, who we truly are. <laughs> the further away we are from that, the further we try and, and not be aligned to our true nature, um, that the more unhappy, the, the, the more uh, confused, the more stuck that we feel. And I was so far away from the person who I wanted to be I felt like I was wearing a mask every day saying, mm. who, who do my colleagues need me to be today? Who does my partner need me to be? Who does my boss need me to be? You know, you have to paint the smile on and say, oh, well, this is, this is who, if I want to make the sacrifices, if I want to have the nice things, if I want to have the house and the mortgage and impress the parents and be so my kids are proud of, I have to go and live this life. And because I hated this life, mm. that's why I drank. I drank because I was punishing myself. I was punishing myself because I hated myself. I hated myself because I knew I wasn't being true to that person who I was really meant to be. At the same token, money needs to come in. At the mm. same token, there are the, the societal pressures there. Now, uh, very much given that uh, the, that there are many industries where alcohol is a quintessential part of you're making business deals of you, you know, it is it is very hard. Certain industries are very, very wet uh, when it comes to that. Um, and so it's hard to suddenly change your 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 outside change mm -hmm. the way uh, swim against the stream so to speak um did how did that go it's you're absolutely right then and my industry was one of the i love the way you call it a wet industry because it mine uh yeah my i don't think you could get wetter than the my industry it was very much you know drinks with the boss drinks with the team drinks with the clients you mm. had to be a team player you were told the importance of building relationships and especially in the uk mm. uh, i know it's uh the same in much of the western world and here in new zealand as well you're told if you want to if you want to be part of the crowd then you need to be a part of the crowd at the bar mm. the interesting i found because I felt stuck, and I believe many people feel stuck because I, I wanted to change. I recognized mm. I was going down the wrong path, but I felt stuck because I thought, well, I, I want to stop drinking, but I can't stop drinking because mm. it'll impact my career and then the money and then the mortgage and, and mm. the family and so on. But here's the thing about feeling stuck. When we feel stuck in our lives, it is because we are making a false assumption. It's because we are assuming something to be true it's actually true so i was feeling stuck because i was making a false assumption 
I can't be successful in my career unless I drink. That was a false mm-hmm. assumption. We see this in um, in relationships. People feel stuck in a relationship because they make a false assumption that nobody else would ever like me. We feel stuck in sobriety in, uh, in our journey to sobriety um, because we say, mm. "I want to stop drinking, but no one would like me if I was sober." That's a false assumption. So we mm. always feel stuck in life when we make a false assumption. So a key part of getting unstuck is examining our assumptions and saying, mm. "Well, actually, is this true?" And that's when I started looking at, at a number of my assumptions. Nice. And um, is nice. is is my career um, really linked to, to alcohol? Because we know that um, pretty would be a news flash to your listeners that alcohol inhibits performance. It's crazy that if you don't drink, you're you're smarter. You get up earlier. You're more switched on. You're more punctual. You can be more productive. But we say <laughs> no, no, no. I need to have the alcohol to be better at my job. Um, yeah, I looked at people in in my career who didn't drink, who were very uh-huh. successful. We see now in in the in the wider business world, you won't see um, Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk, Bill Gates falling out of a nightclub and being sick in the street at two o'clock in the morning. But I was <laughs> saying, no, no, I need to do this. Otherwise, I won't be successful. <laughs> and, and there was also the, the deeper false assumption, which which only came to me actually after I'd I'd gone through a period of sobriety, which was, wow, I'm I'm telling myself I need to drink to be successful at this career that I don't actually want to be successful in, that I don't actually want to be doing. And then there's the, I'm not a psychologist, but then there is the deeper question, was there a level of of self-sabotage there somewhere Mm -hmm. that I didn't want to be in this role, I didn't want to be in this life. And I was thinking to myself, and this has almost came to the stage with my career, if I get myself in enough trouble, then am I just going to get fired? And finally, they're going to put me out of my misery because we've all been there. I think any of us who have um, gone gone deep into that into that wet corporate career, should we say, we've all had the moments where um, we think, oh, I think I've done it. I think I've really done it this time. I think I'm really in trouble because we've all had the um, you know, the excuses and the calling in sick and the close calls and the the Zoom call where the camera's off because you're lying in bed and with the with your ice pack on your head and and all these things. We've all had those moments, even if it isn't in the business world, but in our lives with relationships, with police, with everything. We've all had those moments where we think, "Oh no, I've really, I've really pushed it too far," and then somehow we escape because uh, drinkers are very resourceful, very creative, very tenacious. <laughs> That's why I would, I would anyone who's had a drink problem, I would give them a job in my new business because I know having a drink problem takes a lot of determination and a lot of creativity. <laughs> and people who have a drink problem absolutely do not quit. They will find a way to have that drink. So we all know how talented we are, and we have to use our talents to uh, to get ourselves out of some difficult situations. And this was, and I'll, I'll bring it back on track. But this was no. this me thinking how how could I kind of escape this? How can I escape this this vicious cycle of um of actually creating a life that I wanted to live? And funnily enough, it wasn't about willpower for me. And maybe we'll we'll come on to this. But what I after failing a thousand times, after failing to stop drinking a thousand times, the one time, the one time it worked, it wasn't about willpower. It was about creating a new version of myself and, and that new person that I wanted to be. 
Having said that, that can be the biggest challenge because you have been living on external validation. You have been living on in in your corporate world on 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 working hard, being the husband, being the 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 driven executive. Being there's so many roles we take on. Often we have lost that playful, youthful, joyful you. Mm. Then you have created this kind of monster <laughs> lumbering around. Mm. And then you try to somehow stop that monster. And then there is nothing. Mm. Um, did you experience that? Or what? I mean, in, in my case, when I came out of rehab, I was an empty shell um, because I didn't know who I was. Who was Stefan? And I... I finally recognized it as a huge opportunity because it was an empty canvas. I could paint any painting I wanted. And I tried a few things, a few new suits, so to speak. And some of them turned out, I'm, well, I'm, I'm not a very resourceful handyman, for example. So for mm. me being an artist, creating a statue, <laughs> stick with your day job, Stefan. <laughs> okay, I found out what I was not. Was there something like that for you? Who, how did you find out who was Freddie? It, it, it's a really interesting question, and there's there's an interesting area of this that, that I've 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 researched and that I I kind of I've built as part of my philosophy, I suppose you could say, which is maybe different to how other people would see it, and and it's linked back to something I touched on earlier about our true nature. Now I believe that um that we are all born a certain way we are born with certain talents certain personality traits we're born with the things that we like the things that we don't like and obviously we can change our skills and everything else but in terms of who we are our true nature cannot change hmm. and many of the times when i tried to stop drinking and i failed was firstly, I tried to make it about willpower, which mm. is is never going to work because effectively I was saying, I still really want to drink, but I'm gonna I'm gonna white knuckle it and I'm gonna just tell myself I want to drink, but you can't have a drink, and I want to drink, but you're not mm. gonna. And eventually, as we know, willpower is finite; it runs mm. out after a while. But the impact about the true nature I found interesting because when I tried to stop drinking. I also tried to kill who I really was, and that was a mistake. So to bring that to life for you, as I say, mm. I was a, and again, I, I describe myself as um, an all or nothing personality type, someone mm. who doesn't have an off switch, someone who is quite extreme, someone who um, is deep down quite outgoing. All these parts of me, when I took my first steps into sobriety, I tried to kill, I tried to hide. So I'm an all or nothing mm. type of person who likes to be social, who likes to be outgoing. But in sobriety, I was saying, no, 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 you need to stay indoors. You need to be mm. reading books. You need to be journaling. You need to be do doing all these things. And the real twist for me was actually thinking, how could I lean into my true nature, mm. but just redirect it? Mm. How could I still be that outgoing, all or nothing, no off switch type of person, mm. but just be that person who doesn't drink anymore? Mm. Because so many times I believe we try and kill our true nature. And then if we try and hide it, then it will come out 
in in different ways in ways that we do not want it to come out an example being it's like if you try to build a house um on top of the roots of an oak tree doesn't matter what color carpet you put in your lounge sooner or later that oak tree is going to come bursting through your floor mm. whether you like it or not mm. and i believe that so many people who who struggle with sobriety because this was was myself as well we think, oh, I need to be someone else. I, I'm there with my juice cleanses. I need to be, I need to become, as we see it, boring. And that was the word that came to me. Oh, I need to be boring now. Mm-hmm. And I was saying mm-hmm. to other people, I used to be fun. I used to be drinking. And then I was almost apologizing to them. I said, oh, yes, sorry. Sorry, I'm boring these days. Oh, no, no. I'm, I'm like an old man at home these days. And the fact I was trying to be, again, someone who I wasn't, I was apologizing. Huh. I'm never going to stick to my sobriety then. If, I, if I'm if i approaching my life by firstly apologizing to people, huh. by firstly saying, oh, I'm boring now, that part of our mind, that, that mischievous, devilish part that hmm. I believe seeks chaos in our lives is always going to say, I don't like being boring. I'm not a boring kind of guy. I know what I'll do. I'm going to have just the one drink, just the one, just to see what it's like again, just to remind myself. So that's why I had to get a bit angry. I had to say, no, this is who I am. I'm not going to hide away from this thing. If I am a person who has an all or nothing mindset, if I'm a person who likes being in the action, I am not going to let this alcoholism keep me in the shadows. I'm not going to hide away. I'm going to have to go out there. I'm still going to have this all or nothing approach to life. I'm still going to be creative. I'm still going to seek energy. I'm just going to do it in a way that doesn't involve alcohol. And that's probably what led me to, to doing things like running across the desert. But I believe there are many people out there who call themselves the life of the party, the all or nothing person. And they come unstuck when they think I can't be the life and soul of the party anymore. I can't be an all or nothing person because that's a bad thing to be. And now I need to go and be boring. And that's where we become unstuck. So this is about leaning into your nature, embracing who you truly are, pouring rocket fuel on who you are, turbocharging who you are, just doing it in a way that doesn't involve alcohol. Nice, nice. Were you always a man who was into physical activity? Um, Were you a runner beforehand? Absolutely not. I, um, I still don't call myself a runner most of the time, and this is where, where the running community um, starts to starts to get very upset, but I'd rather be honest. I hate running. I only run half the time so I can look good naked. I, um, I, I find it boring. I found it difficult, but I did find it very good for my mental health. And I did find it very useful to not drink a bottle of Jack Daniels every night. Um, but no, I, I wasn't one of these running types. I wasn't into health or fitness. No. I My childhood was I was in and out of hospital. I've got a chronic lung condition. I wasn't sporty at school. I was, um, ironically, the uh, the child at school who you would find in the library, not on the sports field every day. When um, obviously uh, a heavy drinking problem doesn't help the health and fitness side of it. I, <laughs> I tried to run one marathon back in 2012. This was the London Marathon. Yeah. When I was in the height of my drinking days, I was, I'd uh, just turned 30. My first child was about to be born. And I was the person who said, oh, I could, I'd be running. And I remember, I was thinking about this the other day, I'd get round the final corner to my house and I'd think, oh, I can, 
I think about yeah, the, the bottle of wine and maybe the, the 10 cans of, of strong beer I could have. And my mouth would start salivating. I'd be like, oh, yes, I've earned this. I've earned the run. Sometimes, Stefan, I'd even take a cigarette with me on a run so I could give myself a, I call myself, yeah, like, like a lung turbocharger. Huh? <laughs> That's how little of an athlete I was. I did the London Marathon. Everyone says, yeah, it's very London. Like, oh, darling, the London Marathon. Oh, it's fabulous, darling. Oh, the crowd. Oh, the atmosphere. You, I, this was the worst bloody day of my life. It took me six hours. I cried. I hurt myself. It gave me an excuse to drink the whole weekend afterwards. Uh, so no, I I was not a runner when when I um, even in the months, the first months of my sobriety, I I could not run a mile. I couldn't. I, I couldn't run. I'd had ten okay. years. The only thing I could run was a bar tab. Yeah. So um, it, there was zero fitness. Having said that, do you go from zero to running a marathon? Sorry, did you just hear what you just said? Okay, so come on, man. So there was there is a, a genetic predisposition there that actually your body is can lean into. Um, there are people who can say, okay, let's just go for a little run, and then forty two k's later, um, they they are thinking about the wine. So for me, no, nah, that is. Um, Oh, goodness. I mean, as is my body type is very different. Uh, it's interesting to hear your attitude towards the running because um, many people who I have come across and who were guests on my show have used the running either as running away from their problems or when you dig deep inside, then actually they go into a serenity Zen-like state during the running, which is really like a kind of a state of meditation. Um, infused by the endorphins that at some stage kick in. Mm. Is that still something that you experience, especially the, the endorphin kick on the, the longer runs? Uh, there is. And um, I, I, I jest about it slightly. And obviously, I, I, I must like running because I do quite a lot of running these days. <laughs> I, I run across deserts and, uh, and to the North Pole. But um, I also think that there's also a, a stereotype that it that it's worth breaking that you know, mm. we all know who a running type of person is and, and that isn't me. But but yes, there mm. are benefits. I do get the endorphins. Um, but I do think also for me, and, and I think there's there's a, an interesting and, and common link between people who stop drinking and start running, and I'm always fascinated by that. But but again, I do believe that it is something around embracing our nature and you think about a marathon drinking session or a marathon running session there is something along and i love what you say around um people have asked me this before am i running from something or am I running to something and i think we we have the element of escaping our demons and uh, an interesting observation i made because i i ran my first hundred mile ultra marathon this year um not far from where you are actually the other tarawera ultra marathon hundred wow. miles and wow. uh, for a hundred miles nonstop. And it's interesting. If you if you stand on the start line of a hundred mile ultra marathon, there are no normal people there. <laughs> Everyone, and, and it's it's really interesting. Everyone has got some history of addiction. They have a a disorder, either be or they've recovered from a disorder, be it mental or, or some kind of physical disorder, like an eating disorder. Um, many people have had mental health challenges. And this whole subject fascinates me that there is something in our brains 
that 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 compels a certain type of person to put their bodies through these challenges and and it's interesting as i say they're not all uh ex-drinkers but everyone will have been to some kind of rehab some kind of recovery they would have had serious mental health challenges they would have had trauma uh, or abuse in their life and like i say there is no one normal and looking at that start line i thought what if what if we if we stopped saying but we're all broken what if we stopped saying there's something wrong with us what if we stopped saying that all these stories of our past and i because if this happened to me or because I did that, because we carry around so much guilt and shame. And I, I carried around so much, all of the things I've done. As, as drinkers, we've, we've all done some things that we're not proud of. Mm. But what if we, again, what if we stopped carrying around that? What if we let it go? What if we said the greatest opportunities of our life are still ahead of us? And rather than, and I thought, I looked at all these people on this hundred mile start line. And I thought, what if, Instead of saying how bad we are, how bad we've been, what about how amazing we are? We have this this amazing talent to, mm -hmm. to put our bodies and our minds through this crazy endurance adventure. And again, that is about leaning into who we are rather than just staying at home on the couch saying, oh, because I did that thing 10 years ago, woe is me, and I'm still beating myself up. This is about leaving who we are. And, and again, as I said at the start, I know not many normal people or sane people would, would like to, to run a hundred mile race, but for someone else, <laughs> maybe this is leading into who you are creatively. Someone who was, who was using alcohol as, you know, like, like a writer or an artist who's used alcohol in the past. Mm. This is about leading into your creativity. For mm. someone else, it may be leading into entrepreneurship. It may be leading into travel. It doesn't have to be crazy running adventures, but mm. it's about leaning in to what your true nature is and who you truly are. Mm. Well, I would like to to comment two things here. First of all, normal people scare me. Um, that is no, 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 no. All the 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 people that I surround myself with, and as I love speaking to, uh, the weirdos, uh, the 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 people who have broken the norm of society, who have who have swum again, uh, swam against the the stream. Uh, because these are the people who are who uh, whose life show transformations and the breakthroughs, mm -hmm. uh, and I think that is so beautiful. And I could not could not agree more with you. I've just written a, a book chapter uh, called uh, "PTSD Is My Superpower." Um, it is not. Yes, nasty things have have occurred to us, and we have done often nasty things in response to fucked up core beliefs or to to childhood trauma to to a lot of reasons intergenerational trauma that is still passed down the line there are so many things that are flooding our system and that potentially can lead us astray at the same token these can be our greatest gifts if we actually harness the power of this 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 being driven this this being restless Mm. trying to find something that trying to give meaning to the suffering that we often have gone through and once you act scheiße i got i got goosebumps actually saying that it is just so powerful um when you actually get there to this point and it's 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 the the point when your bow is pulled all the way back all mm. the way back you're just about to release that arrow and you just need to figure out where the hell do you want to aim who do you want to be when you grow up? And that is such a powerful thing. That's and it. so so few of us get to that point. And 
you are you are there you have you've got to that um and and it it sort of suited you and i loved it how you 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 came back to trying to figure out what were your natural traits what were what was actually uh hidden underneath the surface and you then you then nourished that little plant. You actually you gave it water. You gave it food. Um, but I mean, there is you started from from uh, pochy beer belly to running. Now I'm just you know I'm 57. I actually thought, hey, I would like to get back into running. Fuck me. My Achillotendinitis very quickly told me, yeah, right. You want to run more than four Ks? <laughs> yeah, let's laugh about that, shall we? Uh, but what do you do with injuries? Um, and you, you were saying with the London Marathon, you you you, you hurt yourself. Um, you know, what do you do there? And what do you recommend others? I mean, I, thankfully, touch wood, I don't get injured too, too often. But um, again, it's... It's funny with with the physical injuries and the mental injuries. I used to get injured a lot more when when I was drinking and I would try to run because um again we um wow well, I was just thinking I uh, I used to go to the gym drunk sometimes I had a couple of times when um <laughs> I was away with work I would be drinking all night and think oh I need to be at work in in ninety minutes time I'll go to the gym and maybe I'll see my boss one of my coping I'll see my boss in the gym. And he'll say, oh, that's a, that's a good young worker there. Like, what must I have looked like in the gym after drinking all night, just kind of swaying around? But, um, <laughs> but to, to answer your, your question, um, I do think it's about balance, which I will accept I really struggle with, again, as, as someone who is proudly unbalanced, who, who is proudly quite all or nothing. Um, and I think there, there's some key takeaways here for, for our sobriety journey as well. That is, it is about patience. So when I when I'm training, um, I want it all. I'm very go go go. I'm not very good at doing things. No half measures, as uh, as they say. Like I say, a, a glass of wine. No, we'll have the bottle. Obviously, we can't. You can't put a bottle back in the fridge once it's opened. <laughs> I take that approach to to my training, my injuries. So learning patience is something. Um, that is a real challenge, which helps me overcome injuries. And, mm. and I do believe this with, with sobriety as well, because there, there will be moments when we, we either fall off the wagon or we certainly bounce along the road for a bit as we go along. Uh, to, to try and, and probably murder that wagon uh, metaphor, one, one link with injuries and sobriety is that if I get an injury, if I'm training or if I'm running, there is a temptation to, to power through, to keep going. Mm. And that I know will actually cause me more injuries and more mm. damage in the long run. Mm. With sobriety, it was very much the same. So in my early days, I would try and stop drinking. And like I say, I, I proudly failed a thousand times. It took me five years to finally find that one time that worked. Mm. But usually what would happen is we you know, I, I'd make the promises. That's it. Not going to drink. Friday night comes around, not going to drink, not going to drink, not going to, oh, okay, then I'll have one. And it's like the, the mm. metaphor is with, with a car. If you're driving your car and you get a flat tire, do you fix the problem and go on with your journey? Or do you get a knife and slash the other three tires and say, well, that's it. I told you so. I told you I was never going to do this. Mm. And that's what we do. We, we fall off the wagon on a Friday and we think, well, that's it. Might as well. 
now I've had one, I might as well go for it. And then you wake up on Saturday and think, oh, oh, well, oh, I feel bad now. I know what will make me feel better. Let's have, and then, well, the weekend's a write-off. Let's just have some fun. But then Monday, Monday, that is the day when things are going to change. So there's very common here. What is physical injuries? Ironically, they're both self-imposed. Um, but the whole point with with the, the the physical training injuries or the uh, the the sobriety destroying uh, alcohol related injuries that we do to ourselves, they are mainly self imposed. But it's a case of saying I've, I've got this situation where I've done myself some damage. What mm. am I going to do next? Am I going mm. to be patient with myself mm. and do the right thing and maybe do the thing that doesn't feel the easiest or am i going to actually make a commitment am i going to keep this promise i've made to myself am i going to be patient with myself mm. am i going to do the right things to put myself back on the road back on my journey mm. that's very very true and i love it i love it the way you put that and uh how you 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 show the example of doing what is possible within your limits at the same token not accepting these limits as an absolute because what your limits are today in six months time they might be very 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 different um because it is the the issue of or it is the, the topic of the five minute gardener mm. if you if you spend from now on every day if you spend five minutes in your garden never less never more Mm. after a week you see a difference you've weeded here you've planted there etc you see a difference after a month your family says wow our garden looks good um after three months you've got bus tours coming along who is looking at your garden mm. um that's because you're consistent in your effort uh, it's not that once going to the gym lifting all the maximum of the on the on the rack um mm. and then hurting yourself and then go, don't going back it is you consistently and intentionally living your life and gently pushing that envelope. And yeah. that is where the magic occurs, creating the habits in your life, creating the, the willingness to show up. Mm -hmm. And 80%, 80 of success is showing up. And that's what we are so bad in. It's the... the, 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 the um, the, the, the limitations that we put upon ourselves, the imposter syndrome, uh, the, all this kind of negative talk. Ah, my goodness. And I'm 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 the master in that. <laughs> Do you still get imposter syndrome now? Yes, I mean absolutely. And it, it's funny, and, and picking up on I love what you said earlier um about we we judge ourselves and many times we we base our ability to exceed. Um, we, we base our ability to succeed on a previous version of ourselves. Mm. So we we look at a challenge that we want to, to overcome, be that uh, a sobriety challenge, maybe it's writing a book, maybe it's a, an adventure, maybe it's mm. a relationship, maybe it's a business. And we think to ourselves, am I going to make this work? Am I going to succeed? But we're basing our ability to succeed on a previous version of ourselves. Mm. Yeah, I believe that, the world is not as it is. The world is as we see it. And how we mm. see the world depends on how we see ourselves. Mm. And then we have a choice. Do we see ourselves based on who we were or who we are going to become? 
And that is the choice that we have. <laughs> and I was choosing to see myself uh, as the previous version for so long. And that's why I always suffered from imposter syndrome. Um, and this goes wider than, than running. Um, because I think many of us, when we we go through the go through the sobriety steps, and we we've we've uh, gone on this sobriety journey, that's usually when we start to to look at the job or the relationship or the the place where we live, and that's when we start to think to ourselves, well, hang on, if I can if I can stop drinking, I wonder what else I can change in my life, and that's generally what we see. And I say this as someone who left the corporate world who moved 12,000 miles from the UK, who did so many new things in my life after um, after I stopped drinking. But the imposter syndrome is always there. And uh, it's around, you know, you stop drinking, but you couldn't, you couldn't move to New Zealand, you couldn't start a business, you couldn't start a new relationship or, or any of these things. And there's something really powerful about imposter syndrome. And, and I looked into this as I as I tried to understand myself better, as I tried to understand my true nature. Um, Newton's third law is that every force has an equal and opposite force pushing against it. So as far as we try and propel ourselves forward in our lives, mm. there is an equal and opposing force within us trying to pull us back. And that's what imposter syndrome is. That is the inner enemy. So for, for all of us who say, right, I, I want to start a new job. I want to change my life. I want to uh, accomplish these goals. There is an equal and opposite force within us saying, no, 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 no. That's not for you. You can't do that. That's that's uh, that, that that's not something you can achieve. That's for other people. That's for successful people. That's for confident people. That's for people <laughs> with more money or better <laughs> childhoods or anything else. There is this part within us, as I say, it, yeah. it's imposter syndrome, but I label it as the the inner enemy it's our part x it's our it's our worst enemy but it's like having a worst enemy who knows the greatest hits album of all your weaknesses oh yes and everything else oh yes our, our and... brains try and keep us safe our brains try and keep us uh comfortable but growth does not happen in times of comfort growth happens in times of discomfort so oh, yeah. anything we want in our life whether it is to start a relationship or a business or move halfway around the world or start running it means we have to take we have to choose discomfort because it means getting up a bit earlier or maybe looking foolish or doing something new or doing something different all these things are uncomfortable in the short term and our brain is there saying whoa 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 whoa, whoa. we don't like discomfort we prefer comfort around here because our brains are hardwired to keep us alive our brains know that statistically we are more likely to stay alive if we stay within our comfort zone and that's when the imposter syndrome when the inner enemy when this partex comes out and says that thing you're about to do don't do it whatever you do don't do it stay here where it's comfortable um but that's that's why yes i i always get imposter syndrome but also what if we looked at imposter syndrome in a different way what if you looked at it as an indicator that you were on the right path when that voice comes up in your head saying, you can't do that, you're not good enough, you're too old, you've made too many mistakes, you're too much of a failure. <laughs> what if you saw that voice as an indicator that what you are about to do was the yeah. right thing? Because we all wait for the confidence. We all wait for the breakthrough, the motivation. But the truth is, confidence shows up after we take the action, mm. not before. 
And that's why we try and get the motivation to stop drinking. We try and get the confidence to stop drinking. The motivation, the confidence does not appear until after we've started the sobriety journey, not before. Beautifully said. I love that you've reframed the imposter syndrome as a natural force and maybe as a as something positive. And that is actually, wow, that is a lovely way of of reframing things of of uh, looking at at the challenges that we all face deep inside ourselves uh, in in a new way. And I think that is that is again an an ability that develops uh, after you have gone through trauma, you've gone through darkness, that yeah. you actually um, learn to see the positive in seemingly negative things because the, the world does not suddenly become rosy and everything smells nice and is gorgeous mm -hmm. and there's no more death, no more illness, no more trauma, no more nothing. No, the world is a heap of shit at the moment. And uh, if at all in 2023, um, you know, <laughs> there was a saying a while ago where, you know, we, we stop saying what the fuck, we say what the 2020. And then 2021 came along, and then 2022 and 2023, and it hasn't got much better, actually. So I think we need to realize that only because we change, the world around us does not change. But I, love that. I was to say quickly on that, and I 100% agree with you in what you were saying about language, because right at the start of this, you mentioned coming at things like a victim, and that's exactly how I did. And it is, I learned as well, it is our language. Mm is a clear giveaway to how we think and how mm. we approach the world. So a victim, a victim will always say, why? Why me? Mm. Why is this happening? Why can't I stop drinking? Why mm. can't I make more money? Why mm. do people always leave me? I've, uh, an owner, I talk about the victim versus the owner. An owner won't talk about why. They won't ask why. They will ask how. Mm. So you can exactly. spot an owner by saying, how do I stop drinking? How mm. do I make more money? How do nice. I have better relationships? And that's always, I, I notice myself, you know, when, when I'm dropped into a victim mindset, why is this going wrong in my life? Why is this happening? I was like, no, 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 no. I'm asking myself the wrong question. I need to Correct. be asking how. And that's also where we say, it can go even deeper and say, rather than, than how do I change drinking? I always say it's not about how, it's about who. So we ask ourselves, how do I stop drinking? So a victim says, why, why is this happening? The owner says, how do I stop drinking? But at a deeper level, we can ask ourselves, it isn't about how, it's about who. Who do I need to be mm. to go into this next version of my life? Who do I need to become? And then I start making, I start making decisions mm. as that new version of myself, as the new Freddy rather than mm. the old. Yeah. I, I go one step uh, further or reframe the last step, not who do I need to be because I hate to be pressured. Who do I want to be? Who do I want to be when I grow up? Because then it is my choice. It is something where I can willingly go to rather than being forced to and then giving the, the negative guy in me a chance. See, see, you're forcing yourself to do that. Don't do that. Be natural. And uh, whatever shit then comes out of my head. Um, you're absolutely right. I, I, I have this. Um, and again, this is a controversial one. The uh, every look on social media and I have a, I have a problem with all the, the people who um, I love social media, but also the, the, 
the the weekend life coaches who just say change your life change your mindset change your habits as if it was all so bloody easy but also i think if we go around with this this track playing in our head of i need to change my life i need to change my mindset i need to change my habits then by default if we're saying to ourselves i need to change then are we saying to ourselves that i am broken as i am i'm not mm. good enough as I am. imagine Imagine walking around every day saying, I'm broken, I'm broken, I'm broken. How are we supposed to actually create the, the, the lives that we would love to create if we have that narrative in our mind? Mm. So be it on Instagram or social media, yeah, change this, change that. And like, if, if only you knew how, how much deeper anyone who has tried to change their life and fail knows. If only it was as easy, oh, just, just stop drinking, just be more confident, just do this. And I was like, well, I tried that. I, I tried, I read the books, I listened to the podcasts, I went to the seminars, I tried to feel the fear and do it anyway. I even practiced the subtle art of not giving a fuck and none of it worked. None <laughs> of it worked because I thought I was broken. It wasn't mm. until I changed the way I saw myself yeah. that I started to actually become the person who I knew that I was capable of becoming. Mm. And that is really, if you want to use a different language, that is where self-love really mm -hmm. comes home. Uh, this is where, where, where ultimately we accept who we truly are, warts mm -hmm. and all. And uh, that uh, I love to say, <laughs> I love the way you talk about uh, the weekend, uh, not warriors in this case, the weekend uh, coaches. Yeah. Um, so yes, you're right. There is, uh, no, there is so much more to it. Mm -hmm. But at the same token, once you begin to live intentionally, once you begin to make small little changes, create new small habits, only make 1% change a day, which is tiny. 1% of your day is about 15 minutes, if you think about it. So that's a tiny amount. Can you invest 15 minutes into the new you? Mm. And I dare to say to anyone out there, you will find 15 minutes in your day to actually make a change. However busy you are, whatever you do, whatever pressures you are under, I dare to say that you could find the time. And I dare to say that you have got the power within you to actually change. Mm. The question is, what do you want to do? Who do you want to become when you grow up? And I think that is the, the key thing. This is no longer why me and the how is quite nice. But if you don't know who you want to be, the how sometimes can get you lost a little bit. Um, so how about you guys out there thinking about what is what would be something that you truly, truly, truly would love to do? And make the space, make the maybe the first 15 minutes uh, after you 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 uh, switched here off, press the like and subscribe button uh, and told us how cool this 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 interview was. Um, maybe those 15 minutes, just sit down, close your eyes and imagine just just actually don't imagine anything. Just quiet your mind and see what kind of future suddenly comes to you. And um who this new person could be and then you can answer the question or you can ask the question well how do i get closer to that version of myself mm. because that was you 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 basically uh, figured out that um i actually want to 
you probably wanted to prove yourself. You wanted to actually go out there and 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 do with the running. Um, there was probably an element of running away initially. There was probably an element of what, however we frame it, it didn't matter. You did it. You actually took action. You actually went out there and started doing things. And it it didn't stop there. You don't just go running and that's it. You can now run through the Arctic and still smoke, drink, eat shit. Doesn't work like that. <laughs> so your life's gently changed. Um, and now one thing I need to ask, we are all living not isolated in little silos, but we live with a family. Mm. And often there is a degree of codependency. You know, if you have been a drinker and you were fun, Freddy, and all this person, um, what did your significant other think about you suddenly changing? It's it's a really interesting question. And this is where I like, I always believe that there's a Hollywood version and, uh, and a real life version, because I, <laughs> we all know the way the story's supposed to go. We know that we're supposed to say, Oh, I stopped drinking and the relationship was better and the family. I have a, I have a, a wife and, and two boys and the family turns around and says, oh, we've got the old dad back. And it's like a it's like a Disney movie. And I'm on the sofa. And we're all laughing like, ha, ha, ha. We love you, dad. The truth was very different. Um, <laughs> it was. And this is why I say that sobriety is not a silver bullet. And we fall into the trap of thinking if I stop drinking, then everything in my life just becomes sunshine and unicorns and mm. rainbows. Mm. It wasn't the, the case at all. Um, it caused me to, my sobriety caused me to take a, a long, hard look at uh, not just my, my marriage, but also my friendships, because as we all know, we, we, we hang around people who maybe aren't good for us. Oh, yeah. <laughs> version of ourselves. Um, my my wife, the, the guy she married, was a, a relatively high-flying, Porsche-driving corporate executive who was used to, to buying bottles of champagne and, and all these things. And then all of a sudden I said, I'm not that guy anymore, which I think was a, uh, a period of change for, for both of us as well. And I think actually, I, and this is why it's almost difficult to say, I was in many ways more difficult to live with when I was sober than when I was drunk, and just in a different way. Because I think my family obviously enjoyed the fact that I didn't uh, go out on Saturday and say, I'm going to go for one drink, I'll be home at seven o'clock, and then <laughs> fall through the door 18 hours later with my eyes wide and not quite knowing who I was or where I was. They were quite uh, glad that version of me didn't exist anymore. But a, a real journey of sobriety involves a lot of shame. It involves guilt. It involves introspection, which can be painful and can be difficult. And I got quite angry with myself. And this was a, it was, I worked with a really interesting coach a couple of years back. And, and he was like, you know, all of, all of the anger that you've got inside you. And I said, me, I'm, you must be, I, I'm not an angry person. I'm fun time Freddy. I like having the, but, and I make the jokes, I tell the stories. I'm not an angry person. And then I sat with it and for, for a long, long time. I thought I'm not an angry person. And then I looked at my home life and I was snappy. I was angry. I was short tempered. I was mm. a grumpy person who I never wanted to be. And I thought, why, 
where is this anger coming from? And it was because um, I was carrying a lot of shame around with me for things mm. like past. And also I was, um, it's interesting. I, I believe that I was also mourning the old version of myself. Mm. I was angry mm. that, that I had to say goodbye to that previous version of me, the, the fun time Freddy, the old me. Because the truth is, I miss that guy sometimes. I really people don't like talking about this, but I I face it head on. I miss that fun version of myself. I miss the buzz. I miss the adrenaline uh, boost. I miss the the ego boost of everyone going, "Yay, here he is!" And knowing we've all we all know that feeling, that kind of that that fizzy excitement at six o'clock on a Saturday night, where you don't quite know what's going to happen, but you think it's going to be exciting until the next day when you just hate yourself. <laughs> all, all those feelings I kind of missed. And when I ran through the desert, I, I knew I, I killed that old version of myself. I buried him in the desert, but I think I still carried some anger, mm. maybe some victimhood. So why me? Why why can't I be that person who just has a couple? Why can't I be that person who, and we all, we all, I still look at those people now who will just have a glass. And I'm like, what? That's so unfair. Why can't I do that? How come you could just have a glass and have a good time? And then oh, it's nine o'clock. I'm going to bed now rather than me. He'd be like, come on, shot, shot, nightclub. And then find yourself in a city a hundred miles away. Um, and I think I did carry some anger and some jealousy that I I I wasn't that person. And it was only when I accepted that that's not who I am. It's when I accepted that I can't change the things that have mm. happened in the past, um, that, that my relationships changed. I look mm. now, my life isn't perfect, but my kids get to say their dad's in the Guinness Book of Records, their dad's ruddy across the arctic and all those things and i i will say this and i and i say this proudly and i would encourage everyone who has been on a sobriety journey and has children or anyone significant in their life to say you know what i back myself i know i'm a bloody good dad um and i haven't been i haven't been in the past i was i may have been a six-figure employee but I wasn't a six-figure father. I wasn't a six-figure husband. I wasn't a six-figure friend. I didn't have six-figure habits. I didn't get six-figure sleep. But I can't change that now. All we mm. can change is today and mm. decide who we're going to be tomorrow. And so it's always a bit, <clears throat> a bit emotional there. But like, um, when, when I think of who, who we can become, it's never too late to become the person who you were always meant to be. And that's who I try and become every day as a... Mm. Um, as, as a partner, as a father, as a friend, and as a son. Hmm. And I, I love it. I, I'm so grateful for the way you've put that because in its own right, recovery from alcoholism or, or being now in sobriety can be its own trauma mm -hmm. uh, when you actually are forced to face your shortcomings in mm -hmm. the past. And when as part of you making amends, you actually shut up and begin to listen to your children or to your wife or to whoever else you have harmed without intending. But nevertheless, I mean, as an as an addict, you are a wrecking ball in not just in your own life, you're in in, in, in many other lives that you touch. Mm. Um, and when you then have to face that, that can become its own yeah, trauma, real trauma. And that, therefore, is another 
another reason why I say it will never stop and it will never get easier. Um, some things will get easier because you begin to heal and you begin to address certain things. And I love to, the way you said it, you, you put a certain, uh, certain type of thinking uh, into the grave in the desert. I love that. Um, and that is fine. But there will be other traumas because uh, trauma comes in layers. Healing comes in layers. There will be times when you think, wow, I've done it. It's all done. Dusted. <laughs> and then the, the universe looks down and said, look at him. <laughs> look at him. Now, come on. Yeah. What, what else shall we bring to his consciousness? <laughs> and it is it is what it is. Hmm. This is. But then again, with every single challenge that you're facing, that you're facing sober and that you're actually taking on, hmm. now you will grow. You will get stronger. Just as much as every time you go to the gym, you will probably put on a little bit of muscle mass. You get that little bit leaner. You get a little bit more used to being in the gym. You get used to to exercising your body. It's it will become a bit more normal. It's just the same thing with the problems, the challenges, the shit that life throws you. Um, the, the the bouts of depression, the the panic attacks, the anxiety waves that wash over you. All that will become a little bit more normal because you now recognize for what it is. Messages from your body, or just a shit day. You can't have all that I'm the, the kind of sugar sweet Coca-Cola advertisement. I feel good. Fuck off. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so no, I totally agree. I, I look at yeah, I I try and give a real life view of sobriety, but also yeah, the, the contrast is night and day. The 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 world records, the adventures, everything. And I, I often am extremely grateful. Not this this life that I have now. No one gave it to me. No one mm. gave it to me on a plate. I moved to New Zealand. I knew nobody here. I had no network. I'd never been here before. No family. Everything in my life I created, and I did it the hard way, and none of it would have happened if I was still drinking. And <laughs> people may probably very intelligent. All your listeners are clearly highly intelligent because they listen to your show and they watch your show, um, but they, they are far too intelligent to think, I'm going to run a desert or I'm going to run a hundred miles or I'm going to move 12,000 miles to a country I've never been to before. But as I said, that was just my journey. Anything that people want to create in their life, be it the book, the relationship, the podcast, the business, the new healthy habit, it is a thousand times more easier to do that thing when you are not drinking. And, and this is, if you want to create that life that you truly want, then it's the choice. Do, do I want the old me or do I want the new me? If I want the new me, then the only way to get it is if I put the bottle down. And that that is how we actually create that version of ourselves that we mm. truly love. <laughs> Freddie, you're an amazing man. Uh, you're an amazing man. You completely captured me from the word go here in our interview. And there are uh, so many things you, you said with such eloquence um, that uh, it puts a big smile on my face. I recognize myself so much in your words. I recognize and I, I shared so many of your sentiments. Uh, you planted so many seeds into the minds of, of my listeners and viewers. And for that, I'm incredibly grateful, man. Um, this is uh, for sure not the last time that you're here on my show um, because 
you are growing and it's inevitable that the, the Freddy in a year's time uh, will be a different man. Because by that time in early February, you're going to run the Arctic Circle. Uh, and now that that's just nuts. But tell us, tell us a bit about that. I mean, this is now this is now not long uh, to go. No, this is what no, two three we, months. Now it's just what two and a half months away. Yeah. Uh, so this is this is the world's coldest, toughest uh, foot race. So three hundred kilometers. Uh, so I'm flying from from New Zealand to North Sweden uh, into the Arctic Circle, and then you just head north and you run three hundred kilometers towards the North Pole. Um, you have to carry all of your food and equipment. It's it's basically doing seven marathons in six days because one day is, is a double marathon. All of your food, all of your equipment for the whole time you have to carry on your back. And is it on the back or on a sled? Uh, is... I think I think it's either I think it may be on a sled, but um ah. there's a lot to carry. Um shit yeah. There's yeah your if you want to have a drink, your water's frozen. If you want to eat, then your food is frozen. You want to stop, but if you stop, then you start to freeze. And within five minutes, you get hypothermia and pass out. So it's a race where you can't ever stop. A bit like sobriety in uh, in that way, but it's if the world's <laughs> coldest, toughest foot race, the temperatures go down to um, minus 55, yeah. it should be. Um, so it should be brutal. But I, I do this to prove to people. I do it to prove to people that anything is possible. And again, I, I, I talk about so much on social media. Everyone is there. Anything is possible. Achieve your goals. Break out of your comfort zone. Everyone bloody talks about it. And I remember when I was trying to change my life and I was trying to get sober, I was sick and fucking tired of everyone just saying to me, step out of your comfort zone. Do all the same motivational phrases that you see everywhere. And that's why I prove to people. That is my <laughs> mission, to prove that everyday people can achieve remarkable things. If I can be where I was and go and do what I've done, that anybody can change their habits and they don't have to run the world's toughest foot race or the world's coldest foot race or break the world record. I'll do that for you. I'll do it to prove to you that with the right mindset, the right knowledge, the right habits, every single one of us can change our lives. And that's why it's important to me to, to really put my money where my mouth is, to walk the talk, to run the run. Because in a world of people saying the same empty motivational phrases, I want to get real and I want to prove to people that if this guy who was five years ago was broken down, stressed, depressed, unfit, overweight, many on two occasions I attempted suicide, which is somewhere we didn't even get a chance to go to today. I was an extremely damaged, extremely broken person who felt stuck lost and helpless and all i had to do i failed to stop drinking a thousand times but you know what you can fail to stop drinking a thousand times but you only have to get it right once if you get right. it right once then your life can change forever because then you win and that's what i'm on a mission to do to prove that if you get it right once you can achieve these remarkable things because uh, we all look at the David Gogginses and we look mm. at the privileged adventurers and the you know, it's great when, when the billionaire Tony Robbins tells us to do something. But as an everyday <laughs> guy who was feeling trapped and stuck in his little office job, if I can do this, then all of your viewers, all of your listeners mm. can change their habits and achieve whatever they want. Wow. <laughs> Freddie, if people want to find more about you. 
Where can they find you? Uh, the best, but I'll keep it simple, people. The best place is on uh, on Instagram. After me now, I'm talking about bad things about Instagram for the last hour. You can find me on Instagram where I tell the truth. Um, it's at the Freddie Bennett. So the F R E D D I E B E N E T at the Freddie Bennett. Uh, I answer all my messages personally. I'm always happy to talk to people because I've. I've been there. I know what it's like. I know it can be confusing. It can be lonely. So, um, so yeah, give me a follow on Instagram. And um, I do have a website, freddiembedit.com as well. But um, mm. so, yeah, either of those, and I'm always happy to connect with people. Check the links uh, in the uh, description of the YouTube video or of the podcast. Uh, it's all down there. Uh, check him out. Follow him. Um, because uh, Freddie is a man who puts his money where his mouth is. He puts one foot in front of the other, uh, literally, um, both in sobriety terms, but also in, in becoming a different man and uh, growing. And it's a very meandering path. We don't know what is around the corner, but we both are convinced that we, if we just put our, if we start showing up to start off with, and actually then start creating habits and living more intentionally and going out there with a purpose very soon your life will change it's inevitable and it is beautiful so guys come along on the journey this is an amazing journey um it is it is I, i'm i'm honored to have you on my show freddy um because you certainly made me reevaluate how i will live the rest of my day today so it's an amazing thing so you, you it's a win win situation for you guys out there so i'm ever so grateful to you freddy for being a guest on my show i'm ever so grateful for you guys out there to listen to that because i am convinced together we can make this world a better place and we all uh, can put our little 15 minutes, the 1% of the day. Well, let's put that in there. And let's just see who we all can become. Freddie, you're an amazing man. I wish you all the, the, the energy you need for the training. I wish you all the, the energy that you need for healing uh, of the, the daily injuries. How far do you run every day? What is your training uh, schedule? It depends on, on the day, but usually... In a week, I'll run 80, 80 to 100 kilometers. So, um, <laughs> so it's, yeah, it can be, it can be painful sometimes, definitely. But, I um, better. I mean, you're, you're in the lead up. Come on, man. <laughs> yeah. no, you... I, you know, no, thank you for the opportunity. I, I'm a huge fan of everything that you do, Stefan. You've really built such momentum. You have such a, an engaged audience and community. You talk about winning. I feel like the winner because I'm the luckiest guy in the world. I've had the amazing opportunity to speak to you today, to speak to, <laughs> to all of your, your fans, your viewers and uh, and your listeners. And I'm, I'm truly honored and grateful to have been part of it. So thank you so much for having me and keep doing all of your amazing work. Cool. Thank you so much, Freddie. And you guys out there, look after yourself and live with passion. Bye. I never give up. I never give up. I never give up. Turn around.